your Bibles tonight, if you'll go with me to 2 Samuel chapter number 15, 2 Samuel chapter number 15, and we'll read the first 23 verses together, and we come to the place in the text and David's story where Absalom officially rebels against David. David, over the course of the next few verses, is going to be run away from his uh, palace home of cedar and his kingdom and He's going to leave and flee because Absalom will, uh, I guess a coup is a way to say it, has, uh, takes over power in Jerusalem. And he does it in a very sneaky way. And I'm going to read this passage of Scripture to you, this story, and hopefully it will be a help to you. We'll begin in 2 Samuel chapter 15. The Bible says, And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right. But there is no man deputed of uh, the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And it came to pass after forty years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. For thy servant vowed a vow while I abode at Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said unto him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as ye hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And with Absalom went two hundred men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong. For the people increased continually with Absalom. And there came a messenger to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly, and bring evil upon us, and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. And the king went forth, and all his household after him. And the king left ten women, which were concubines, to keep the house. And the king went forth, and all the people after him, and tarried in a place that was far off. And all his servants passed on beside him, and all the Cherethites, and all the Pelethites, and all the Gittites, six hundred men which came after him from Gath passed on before the king. Then said the king to 
Etai, the Gittite. Wherefore goest thou also with us? Return to thy place and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger and also an exile. Whereas thou camest but yesterday, should I this day make thee go up and down with us, seeing I go whither I may? Return thou and take back thy brethren. Mercy and truth be with thee. And Atai answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth, and as my lord the king liveth, surely in what place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also will thy servant be. And David said to Atai, Go and pass over. And Atai the Gittite passed over, and all his men, and all the little ones that were with him. And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people passed over. The king also himself passed over the brook Kidron, and all the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. As we read this last verse, verse 23, it's a very sad moment. David, for many years, was on the run. you remember that? Saul had uh, hated David and despised David and envied David. And for many years, David's life was one of wandering around, hiding in the wilderness, protecting himself, waiting until it was time, going through some difficult and horrible trials. And now, after a number of years as the king and rightful king of Israel and things going well and it seems like things clicking along. There was some trouble on the way, you know, with Bathsheba and that type of thing. But David seated on the throne, the rightful king of Israel. As we conclude our reading in verse 23, the the people, David's followers, and all the folks that are leaving because Absalom has run them out of town. They're crying, weeping, with their heads covered, mourning. And the Bible says that they're going over toward the way of the wilderness. And poor David. It's almost like you can look into David's eyes and into his heart and he says, well, here we go again. Here we go again. And we see in this passage of scripture a dark day and a dark time for David and the nation of Israel. And ultimately it will prove to be a very dark time for Absalom himself. Though he takes gets some traction and uh, gains some authority for a short time. Uh, rebelling against God and God's man and God's work. Uh, it never pays. And we, we see this text and see some difficult things that David the king of Israel is dealing with. Look at verse number 12, and we'll get our message title from there. The Bible says in verse number 12 that Absalom sent for Hithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor, from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the Bible says this, and the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. Tonight's message is titled this, the conspiracy was strong. The conspiracy was strong. And uh, I'm not talking about some uh, dreamed up story, a conspiracy theory that is uh, kind of weird, but I'm talking about what the Bible says here, that the conspiracy in David's life, the conspiracy in the nation of Israel, the conspiracy in God's kingdom, the conspiracy at this moment in history, it was strong. The conspiring, the word uh, conspire here can also be interchanged with uh, the word treason. 
The bottom line is Absalom, in a great big way, is causing trouble for David, for God's people, and is stirring a stink that's going to make a big mess. And the conspiracy is strong. David and his heart and the faithful followers of the Lord in the, the nation of Israel, specifically the city of Jerusalem at this moment, they're very saddened and sorrowful because that stinking Absalom has made a big mess for everybody. How many of you are acquainted with situations that may look like the conspiracy was strong? One person, two people, three people, four because of their unwillingness to submit to the Lord, their unwillingness to be right or get right or do right, they cause for you and people you love great grief and sorrow. The conspiracy was strong. I really believe that as we study this text together that we can get some help from the Lord on trusting him in the midst of life's storms, trusting him in the midst of dealing with people problems. Have you ever had a people problem? Trusting him when people that we love and want to trust and love are actually turning their backs and even attempting to hurt us. The conspiracy was strong. If you've ever identified with that feeling of the conspiracy was strong, I can't help but believe there may be some things that we can see and identify. The first thing we're going to look at tonight is Absalom's Rebellion. Uh, we pick up here in the first verse of chapter number 15, and Absalom has come back to uh, Jerusalem. You remember there was a, a season there where David wouldn't look at him and didn't want to see him, and finally, as we conclude chapter number 14, David kisses him, but there's, a, there's just something that's not right. And when we turn the page to chapter number 15, we understand that the what's not right is Absalom is determined, and he is dead set on turning as many people as possible against David, his God, and the nation of Israel. We begin in verse number one as we consider Absalom's rebellion. The Bible says it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now this is an interesting thing that we see. The very first thing that the Bible mentions about Absalom is we begin to get a mental picture of what Absalom is trying to accomplish. I'll just have you know at this moment, in uh, the nation of Israel, there was great peace. There was great peace. But Absalom, when he decided that uh, he was going to make his appearance in town every day, he came up with a way to parade himself in high fashion and give the appearance of some type of power and prestige. Uh, it's fascinating to read and study and, and hear from folks who, who know more than I do and comment on the uselessness of a chariot in Jerusalem. <laughs> Absalom didn't need a chariot. Uh, Absalom didn't need uh, horses and 50 men to run before him, but Absalom was doing something. Absalom was trying his best to make a splash publicly before the people, his father's own kingdom. He's putting on a show. I don't know about you, but I get a little bit weary of folks who are more interested in show than they are substance. And I ask the Lord to help us not to be showy people. Uh, we don't come to church to put on a show. We don't sing songs to put on a show. We don't have a choir to put on a show. I don't preach messages to strum the heartstrings and put on a show. We've got an eternal work to do. 
And we need to step out of the way and let God work. And Absalom in this moment and his life, he gets his chariot and 50 men and horses. And every time he comes into town, he wants the townspeople and the local yokels to say, wow, what a guy. Look at the Bible as it continues in verse 2. Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man had a controversy, that had a controversy, came to the king for judgment. Then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. Now, this is the Bible is just letting us know that Absalom is continuing his smooth campaign. Now, he's not being a bum. He's not being lazy. As a matter of fact, he's getting up early and working hard at overthrowing the kingdom. He rose up early, the Bible says. The Bible says that he stood beside the way of the gate. He found himself in a prominent place where he knew folks who were coming to get help from his father, the king, would be coming that way. And when he identified somebody, any man that had a controversy, what did he do? He intercepted them. Folks who were disgruntled, folks who were upset, folks who they who he knew he could easily woo to his cause and folks with troubles and controversy, you know, the complainers and gripers and loudmouths and carnal. So people with controversy, he would when they came to the king, where were they going? They were going to see King David. King David, in great wisdom, probably could have diffused the situation and helped him out quite a bit. When the people in controversy came, look at the script. I love this. The, the people in controversy came to the king for judgment. Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? Where are you from? What town do you come from? Tell me about your tribe, your family. And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. He says, I'm one of you, baby. We're just alike. Absalom's like, Look, me and you, we're brothers. Me and you, we're bros. Me and you, we understand each other. Me and you, we can understand. We can get along. Man, I understand what a mess you're in. I understand how bad it is. And Absalom continues his schmoozing. Is that a Bible word? How many of you understand what I say when he says, when I say schmooze? That's him. Verse 3. The Bible says, Absalom said unto him, See, Thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. And Absalom says, now listen, man, I understand your gripe and your complaint, and I'm just telling you everything you said is good and right. Now, here's the thing about Absalom. You can be certain from the context of the Scripture, from, the, from what we know about Absalom, Absalom was glad handing these people and telling them what they want to hear. I'm one of you. We're, we're just alike. As soon as they walked away, you can say Absalom, you can see Absalom going, Oh man, what a moron. I hope he votes for me. Oh man, what a what a dummy. I hope he votes for me. But Absalom, here he is. He's continuing his work. He says, Thy matters are good and right. But there's no man deputed to the king to hear. He says, The 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 king has not deputized somebody to hear your matter. And the Bible continues in verse number four, Absalom said, moreover, oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. You see that with an exclamation point? Absalom, he tells anybody that'll listen, anybody he thinks 
that he can win over to his cause. He tells, I'll tell you one thing, if I was in charge around here, by the way, if you hear somebody boldly and uh, braggingly say, I'll tell you, if I was in charge around here, don't listen to them because they don't have any clue. They don't have any clue. But I have some, I'll tell you, if I was in charge around here and any ear that will hear, any ear that will listen, any grievous person that comes along the way, he is selling them a bill of goods that won't pay. He said, I'll tell you what, I'd do him justice. I'd do him justice. The Bible says, verse 5, and it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. Can you see Absalom? Man, Absalom, the more I read about Absalom, the more he gets on my nerves. I, I, I think somebody needs to smack this guy. He takes people's hands and says, oh, I understand. Mwah. Mwah. Verse number six. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Yeah, this is really sad to see what Absalom's done. But the saddest part is all the people that Absalom has fooled. I don't know about you, but there are times in life where you understand the conspiracy is strong and people have fooled people and there's the schmoozing going on and there's the lying and there's the uh, error and the wickedness. The first thing we need to remember is don't be an Absalom. Don't be this kind of person. Don't tell people what they want to hear. Be a person of integrity and honesty. Be a Christ-honoring person. There's nothing wrong with being nice and kind, and it's good. But Absalom, what a mess. Absalom is making a mess. And can you imagine being David? Can you imagine being a wise follower of the rightful king and seeing all this mess. Can you imagine the anger and the hate that's boiling up inside their hearts? Scripture continues, verse number seven. He came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. Now, it's an interesting thing here. The Bible says, and it came to pass after 40 years. Personally, I'm convinced that Absalom was probably 40 years old. At that moment, it wasn't a forty-year span. If you look at the you look at the time frame, I'm not questioning the Bible at all, but I can tell you that it came to pass after forty years. Absalom was forty years old, and at his at, when he turned forty years old, Absalom says that he's going to uh, he wants to go and pay his vow to the Lord in Hebron. Now, this doesn't make much sense, and it doesn't make sense for a man like Absalom to use the name of the Lord. But it is extra maddening when a man like Absalom uses the name of the Lord. It reminds me that just because someone uses the name of Jesus and says a Bible verse or says that they're trying to do God's will does not mean that they actually are. You see, when we declare to do God's will and we declare that we are doing God's will, God's will does not include scheming and sinning. You can be sure of that. God did not design our life to be a life that's full of scheming. You don't have to lie to get and do God's will. You don't have to cheat to lie, cheat in order to get God's will. You don't have to do wrong in order to get God's good and right and perfect will. 
And if for some reason you think and you can become Absalom and I can become an Absalom in my thinking and get to the place where I justify my own sinful behavior because I think somehow my sinful behavior gets me to God's will. But I'll have you know something. There's never a path to God's righteousness through the woods of wickedness. Don't do it. And you watch Absalom. And I'm just going to tell you, the conspiracy was strong. Absalom, he says, I'm a Christian. Absalom says, I love Jesus. Absalom says, I love God. Absalom says, I'm going to go do my religious service in Hebron. Why he didn't do it in Jerusalem where the Ark of the Covenant was. Why he didn't do it in Jerusalem in the headquarters of, of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why he didn't do it there? It is beyond me. But he says, I'm going to go serve the Lord. I'm going to go do my duty. Let me tell you something. His religious exercise meant nothing because his heart was cold against God, against God's plan, God's will, God's work. And he was an evil, smoozing schemer. Absalom. Don't fall into his traps. Don't try to appease your conscience and say, well, the Lord... Help me do this. The Lord, let me tell you something. If you lied and cheated again, the Lord had nothing to do with it. You need to repent of your sin and turn to the Lord. Oh, Absalom, what a mess. Verse number eight, he says, Thy servant vowed a vow while I abode at Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. He said, I'm going to serve the Lord. And the king said unto him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. Now, this is an interesting thing. I'm not saying, and I don't think God's word is saying that David was consenting that what you're doing is really good. But I think it is kind of fascinating that the last thing that's recorded that David ever says to Absalom is shalom, go in peace. I like just a little side note. I think it's important that family and loved ones, even those ones that, seem to cause the conspiracy to be strong around your house and around your family. I think it's important that we make sure if we're godly people that we do our best to keep peace as much as is possible. And David said, I don't think I can stop you. David says, I don't think that I understand why in the world you'd go to Hebron. I don't understand how such a shyster would uh, ever say that he's going to do some work for the Lord, but go in peace. Shalom. Absalom. The Bible continues in verse number 10. Here it gives us some insight into the reality of what's going on. In verse 7, 8, and 9, uh, Absalom is saying, I've got to do my work for God. 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 And David's like, you know, whatever. Go in peace. Verse number 10. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as ye hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem. What, what was the, I'll just tell you something. The whole religious act, the whole I'm a Christian, the whole I'm godly, the whole I vowed to God, and I told God if he blessed me, I'd bless him back. That whole spirit, it was a ruse. It was smoke and mirrors. Let me remind you of something. And maybe this applies to someone here and maybe it doesn't. 
But if you use God to cover your sin, if you use the name of God to justify sinful actions, if you somehow try to cover yourself and hide your wickedness with some religious activity, I'm just going to tell you, you are taking the name of God in vain. And it's a great, great sin to take the name of God in vain. The Bible says it like this in Exodus chapter number 20, that God will not hold him guiltless who taketh his name in vain. There's punishment. There's eternal punishment for folks who take God's name in vain. Don't you use God to cover up your sin. Beware. You see, the conspiracy was strong. But I asked him, what did he do? All the time he's doing his religious acts, he's conspiring his heart to spy and take over and dethrone God's rightful king, his own father. Not only that, but verse number 11 is really sad. It's really sad to me because what does Absalom do? I'll just tell you, Absalom, he fools some well-meaning people. The Bible says, verse 11, and with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. What did he do? Absalom sucked into his trap 200 simple people who had no clue what they were doing. But they supported a man that was rebelling against God and God's man and God's way. Oh, Absalom. Oh, what a judgment Absalom is still this day facing. Oh, Absalom. The Bible says in verse 12, And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. Not only did he dupe hundreds of people, innocent, simple people, he also reached out to one of David's most trusted counselors, Ahithophel, and turns one of David's most faithful people against David and to himself. Man, Absalom. How many of y'all love Absalom? Isn't it great? If any of y'all have a boy in the near future, name him Absalom. I mean, that'd be a great idea. I'm just kidding. Absalom's terrible. But you know, the truth is, we may not be dealing in our lives with someone that has all the characteristics of Absalom because he was a super-duper winner, I'm telling you. But we are dealing with people that are constantly stirring the pot that are unwilling to do the right thing and the conspiracies in our life often run strong it may be a boss at work a co-worker a family member but i want to remind you of something just because there's an absalom in your life doesn't mean that you should respond to them in an absalom like fashion you see, when the conspiracy runs strong, we don't answer in kind. Christian people don't answer to sinful behavior from people near to them in the same way that you've been treated. You see, it takes a, a, it's faithless and it's sinful for us to try to treat people this eye for an eye type of mentality. And as a matter of fact, King David sets an example for us the following verses, and God proves himself. Some things I think will help you. Absalom's rebellion is point number one. Point number two, we see the king and his followers. The king and his followers. Look at the Bible says in verse 13. And there came a messenger to David saying, The heart of the men of Israel are after Absalom. 
And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. The first thing that David is, does in response to knowing that Absalom has gained enough traction to overthrow the city of Jerusalem, he says, I want to get the people that Absalom, the people around me that Absalom will hurt the most, I want to get them out of town. You see in this passage of Scripture that David is not thinking just about David, but often in the last few verses, there's a little word, it's us. Did you see us? David's emphasis is not on David, but is on, is on, but is on us. It's on his people. It's on the people who served. It's the people he loves. It's on the city. David has an understanding of warfare, and he knows that if... Uh, Absalom has this great group of people that he can besiege the city of Jerusalem and close it off and harm the city and do great harm to God's people and God's city. And so David says, the best thing for us, the best thing for my people, the people that I love, is for us to, to retreat for a time. David's saying about others. All through our record of Absalom, Absalom was constantly working for Absalom and on Absalom's behalf. Selfishness produces conspiracy, strong conspiracy. But David, his spirit is, hey, look, let's do what's best for us. And when we start serving other people, it opens up a certain sweetness in our lives, in our Christian lives. We see this in David the king. The Bible says in verse number 15, the king's servant said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatever my lord the king shall appoint. And the king went forth and all his household after him. The king left ten women, which were concubines, to keep the house. And the king went forth and all the people after him and tarried in a place that was far off. And all his servants passed on beside him. And all the Cherethites and the Pelethites and the Gaitites, 600 men which came after him from Gath, passed on before the king. And so we come now to these last few verses, and I want you to know, notice something that the Bible keeps saying and repeating. How, how is David in the last several verses referred to? What, what, how does the Bible, how do we know that we're talking about David? He is called what? The what? The king. That's right. The king. The king. I'm confident that God in his word is reminding us who the rightful king still is. The king. The king. The king. The king. The king. The king is David. And then I want you to see in verse number 18. In verse number 18, the Bible says that all his servants passed on beside him. You know what it's, you're tempted to do when you deal with an Absalom? When you have to deal with an Absalom, you, you're tempted to get into a, a frame of mind that says there's nobody that cares for me. There's nobody that loves me. You can easily get into a frame of mind where you think everybody is an Absalom. Maybe you've been here. Maybe you're there right now. But somebody along the way has done you wrong and done you dirty. And you've come to the place in your thinking where you won't trust and don't trust and will not trust anybody ever again. I'll have you know that you're moving in the wrong direction. And I can tell you that 
Contrary to what you may believe and think right now, even David on many occasions in his psalms, he was writing about this experience. Many great psalms came out of this experience. While he's writing these psalms, he's reminded and he reminds us that he was not alone. He reminds us that God was faithful. Not only was God faithful, but God raised up people around him. And I'll just have you know something. If you've lost faith in all people, you should stop that foolishness and learn again that there are people who love you, who will help you. You know what hurts marriages? when people won't trust one another. You know what hurts families? When people won't, families won't trust one another. When folks won't give somebody another chance. And David in this passage of scripture, he's no doubt tempted to think that Absalom, the spirit of Absalom is on everybody. But we see in this passage of scripture that all of his servants go out with him and they say, well, King David will do whatever you want. We'll do whatever you need. Unusual people falling out. The Bible says in verse 18, the Cherethites, the Pelethites, the Gittites. Who in the world are they? What's the significance? I'll tell you what's significant about them. They were all foreigners. They were all Gentiles. And large groups of people who David would have never expected to follow him and help him and encourage him and support him, They're, they got his back. And I want you to know something. When you're tempted to think that everybody around me is an Absalom, the conspiracy is strong, and I'm by, on an island by myself. I'm confident that God will faithfully raise up people around you. You need to try to trust again. You need to try to love again. You need to try to understand that God is going to send you help and encouragement. He sent the Cherethites, Pelethites, Gittites. What country was Goliath from? Goliath of Gath, that's right, you remember that? Gath, the giant of Gath, Goliath of Gath. Who killed Goliath? David. You'd think if there's any group of people that hated David, it'd be a bunch of men from Gath, but look the Bible says in verse number 18. 600 men which came after him from Gath passed on before the king. It's, as they're passing on, this parade of encouragers, this parade of people saying, I'm for you, I love you, I want to help you. They keep going by and they're an odd looking bunch, but they're people that God has raised up. There's another one, verse 21. And Ittai answered the king, I'm sorry, in verse 19. Then said the king to Ittai, the Gittite, Wherefore goest thou also with us? Return to thy place, abide with the king. Now here's David saying the king is Absalom. He's kind of surrendered a little bit. We know who he's talking about. Go abide with the king. For thou art a stranger and also an exile. Verse 20, whereas thou camest but yesterday, should I this day make thee go up and down with us? Now this parade of folks and supporters of King David are going by him and he sees this guy Atai and all of his people. He says, Atai, what are you doing? You just came to Jerusalem yesterday. What are you doing? What are you thinking? Nobody even knows you yet. Absalom's not going to bother you. He has no clue who you are. Go back to the king. Absalom's the king now for a time. Go back. There's no sense in you doing that. The Bible says in verse 21, Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth, and as my lord the king liveth, surely in what place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also will thy servant be. 
And David said to Ittai, go and pass over. Go ahead then. And Ittai, the Gittite, passed over and all his men and all the little ones that were with him. God says, I'm sending that guy to be a blessing to you. I'm sending this family to be a blessing to you. I'm sending this person to be a blessing to you. Folks, look, there's not, they're not all Absaloms. The conspiracy was strong, but they weren't all Absaloms. As we conclude our message, verse 23, we see the nation of Israel. We see David. The Bible says all the country wept with a loud voice. And all the people passed over. The king also himself passed over the brook Kidron. And all the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. It's a sad day for David. His sons rebelled against him. It's a sad day for David. The conspiracy was strong. And they're sad. And it's almost like David is in a situation that he thought he'd come through his wilderness experience. He thought he'd come through the difficult part of his life. He thought that surely at this stage in my life, I'm not going to have to go through this mess again. But guess what he does? In our church family, we got folks who are dealing with recurring cancer. we got folks who are dealing with death. we got folks who are dealing with things. That, and we thought, man, I thought we had this whipped. I thought we were going to be it. I thought this was, I didn't think I'd have to fight like this again. I've heard preachers, very encouraging. Preachers who are still active in their later years. They say encouraging things to young preachers like me. They say, listen, buddy, you got to fight it till you die. Thank you, you're a blessing. But the truth is, we get in this spirit sometimes, we're like, man, here we go, across the Kidron, into the wilderness again. Why do I have to suffer like this again? I say, why do you not? But you know what we're going to see? We're going to see in the life of David and the nation of Israel as grievous as this deal with Absalom is, as bad as the strong conspiracy is, as div- and the tears, they're real, it's real, we're going to see God do a mighty work in David, through David, on behalf of God's people, and God's going to prove himself faithful again, even though David is going to spend another season out in the wilderness. Do you know what David wrote about this? David wrote about that crossing the Kidron. David wrote about dealing with Absalom and the enemy and the conspiracy strong. And he said this. It's Psalm 3, but just listen. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awake, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. I'll just tell you, 
God helped David. Sure, it was a sad day when he crossed back into the wilderness, and it happens to us in life. But it was also a sweet day when he crossed back into the wilderness. Why? Because he knew how mighty God was. Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. I love that little picture, that little word picture. You know what David did? As he was following that great crowd of people that had just passed by, and he's going to cross the Kidron and deal with Absalom. Ugh. God spoke to his heart and said, yeah, it's a mess. But if you just look at me, it'll make a big difference. He says, thou, Lord, art the lifter of my head. I remember on a few occasions my boys being upset about things that were way out of their control and brokenhearted. And on numerous occasions, I remember going up to them with their heads hung low and putting my fingers under their chins. And raising their head and saying, look at me, buddy. Hey, listen, it's going to be fine. Hey, look, it's going to be okay. And you know what God does? When the conspiracy is strong, when the burdens are great, God from heaven wants to cry out to you and says, hey, listen here, buddy. You look up. Look to me. Look to me. You can trust me. And it takes wilderness experiences to be learned that you can trust him. You can trust me. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to help you. I know the conspiracy is strong. And Absalom's broken your heart. But don't you forget, there's a whole host of people that love you and support you. And more than anything, you remember that I, your God, am here for you. I'm the lifter of your head. Oh, may you learn to trust him in the midst of your storm. May you learn to trust him when the conspiracy is strong. May you respond in a godly way, not like an Absalom. And I know that you'll find God faithful when you do. Let's pray.